by Riverside. What's going on? Monday, October 17th. I have no idea what episode it is um, of the Backside Ground Ball podcast. Trevor, uh, happy Monday. Happy Monday. What, what's what a weekend. What, what a weekend. Before, what, what's the stupid motivational thing people, TGIM, thank God it's Monday instead of thank God it's Friday. You know, I've people who are like, do work, work hard. Uh, there's like people out there, you know, like, uh, I don't say Jocko because I actually respect Jocko, but like, you know, yeah. people like that. Or like, uh, you know, he would thank never God say, Monday. thank God it's Monday. <laughs> thank God it's Monday. We don't just live for the weekends. I love what I do and I work hard. Um, no, not a, <laughs> I'm not a fan of Monday. Uh, weekends are way better. Just like last weekend, Trevor, uh, three of the four NLDS series are over. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Let's go down my list of accomplishments right now. Uh, I know you're all waiting for them. Uh, University of Georgia, number one in the AP and coaches poll. Number one. Number one in the country. AP and coaches polls are stupid. doesn't matter. They're number one. Most importantly, they're 7-0. and oh. They rolled again. Uh, what, what's wrong with Georgia? What's wrong with Georgia? What's wrong with Georgia? They've won uh, five of their seven games by 30-plus points. Real bad team, I guess. That's fine. In Athens, we don't care. Uh, Kirby Smart's my head coach, so I don't really care what that the media has to say. I know we're just focused on this week and getting better. We got bye week this week. That's great. Philadelphia Eagles six and zero. They beat the Cowboys last night. They're the only undefeated team remaining in the NFL. And I know there are a lot of Cowboys fans, specifically who have you beaten? Who have you beaten? Who have you beaten? Well, there's four. I believe there's four uh, teams with above 500 uh, winning record in the NFC so far because the NFL is a terrible product. Um, and the Eagles have beaten two of them. Most importantly, the Phillies are in the NLCS, Trev, just like we all predicted. Citizens Bank Park was electric on Friday and Saturday. That place was unbelievable. Ken Rosenthal on the broadcast was showing, uh, they had notifications on Ken Rosenthal's phone about uh noise decibels be careful it is dangerous where you are too long of exposure can cause hearing damage that's how loud it was reese hoskins gronk spiked his bat it was so sick bryce harper uh finished the series eight for 16 with uh two homers five rbis four runs scored three doubles and a 1500 ops is that good i don't know the 101 win atlanta braves are dead. So how am I doing? Remember, this is one of the better Mondays I've had in a long time. Seriously, sitting yeah. it. You need to you need to bask in this because it it does not come that often for the majority of sports fans. I I can't say I'm not jealous. Uh, I mean, I just me neither. And I think the thing that's so awesome is that. Um, as a Philadelphia sports fan, I understand that it's going to come crashing down rather quickly. Uh, whether that's the Phillies, the Eagles, you know, the Sixers start on Tuesday. I'm not that big into basketball. Um, I've kind of disowned the Flyers too because what a miserable organization. But like, just as a Philadelphia sports fan and someone who's a realistic sports fan, like this is not going to stay this good for this long. So I'm soaking it in. 
and uh, I'm having fun, that's for sure. But uh, it's not about me. The show isn't about me. Uh, it's not about any one man, right? So the rest of these series, unbelievable. I'm going to lead off with a question before we really get into everything and kind of dig a little deeper. What's the bigger surprise here in the National League? The Phillies toppling the defending world champion Braves in four or the Padres who sent the 111-win Dodgers on their way in four games as well? It has to be the or the Padres. Just because to say I was caught off guard by the fact that they clipped the Dodgers and just what the Dodgers are, right? The Braves are a good team, very good team. They're a very good lineup. But when your starting pitching is in shambles and doesn't want to show up to a series, you're going to lose, right? Like there's no offense that can outweigh the starting pitching production that the Braves came in and gave up, right? And when you factor in the fact that Spencer Strider wasn't healthy, Charlie Morton is just aging, you know, and he's been very good late in his career, but and the mojo that the Phillies are coming in with, especially with a healthy Wheeler and a, just Nola is just absolutely rolling. When you factor those things in, you can see the path to victory. With what the Padres did to the Dodgers, I just I didn't believe that it could happen. I didn't believe that it would happen. They got beat in game one, and I was like, oh, yep, fun season for the Padres. Go get Tatis back, and let's see if you guys can turn it around next year and maybe go win 95 games and compete for a division. They went on to rattle off three straight, you know, and – Whatever you want to say about the Dodgers lineup not showing up, whatever you want to say about the pitching staff, it wasn't one thing in particular, right? It was a combination of the Padres just out-executed and outplayed them. They went toe-to-toe on the mound, they went toe-to-toe at the plate, and they just did more and executed at a higher rate and won in four. I mean, to do that after losing game one was just convincing. I mean, before the playoffs, we did. I did say that I, you know, you blink your eye, and I wouldn't be surprised if the pods are in Game Six of the NLCS. And I, I was kind of saying that more of like this is a team that can beat the Mets. You know, I didn't really have in my head who they were playing next, how that would work out. It was kind of just a spur of the moment. Like, yes, this talent is very good in a three-game series against the New York Mets, but they're very well could be playing in game six of the NLCS. And I might've been the only person who put that on record somewhere. Well, I think when you look at the Padres roster, right? I think the surprising thing isn't that the fact that the Padres are in the CS, as you mentioned, right? And we, we've talked about how kind of loaded and, and the star power that's on that roster. And it's, it's very possible to look at the names. Like now that they're there and you look at the names on this team and it's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense that this team can get there. It's the fact that how they did it, right? They had to go to New York for the wild card series. And um, there's a lot of complaints to start this week about how the new format already needs to change because it's too it's an advantage somehow. I, I can't stand the gripes. Like Braves and Dodgers play better, right? Because if the format was an issue, the Houston Astros would, wouldn't have swept the Mariners, right? The Astros had the same amount of layoff. And Ken Rosenthal, I think I heard him say this, is that last year, between the end of the regular season and the start of the DS, or four, uh, four days. So you're talking about one more day. They had one more day of rest. Like, this isn't some crazy layoff. Anyway, the fact the Padres had to go to New York and win a best of three in New York when you when you knew you had DeGrom and, and Scherzer lined up. And, you know, the Mets really, you and I both think they bundled that by um, 
reversing them and, and talking about not throwing Degrom, and so they they survived that. And now you got the Dodgers, who it's kind of crazy. The Dodgers beat them fourteen times in the regular season. The Dodgers have owned them over the last three seasons. The the the, the hurdle that the, the Padres haven't been able to get over since they really you know since they brought in Machado and they've started to kind of push things is the Dodgers. The Dodgers won one hundred eleven games. 22 win differential between the, the um, two teams, which is the, I think, second most in baseball for a team with a, a plus 22 to lose a series in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. That's the Dodgers have a historic run differential this year. And like you look, the, the surprising thing of why the Padres won is less about who the Padres are and more about who the Dodgers were. And like yes, you go down 100%. the list, 111 wins. Uh, they, they, battled injury and overcame them all year check they have stars in their lineup check they have great pitchers check they have uh you know the ownership of the padres throughout the last three regular seasons and then you look and it's like you said you win game one great according to plan you drop three in a row not mm-hmm. to mention you blow a three nothing lead in game four you're on the brink there and you turn it over to the bullpen tyler anderson does his job gives you five scoreless and then you turn it over to the bullpen and you kind of like – it's just surprising to see the Dodgers be the ones to blow it. You know, yeah. they, those guys have played in so many postseason games. And it's starting to – I'm starting to wonder here, and I guess this is a question for you, is like do we start asking questions about what's going on? Because every year I feel like this is happening. They've won one World Series. They've been on this stretch for 13 years now where they're one of the best teams in baseball and they're one of the, the top seeds and a World Series favorite and they – had gotten it done once, and that was in the sixty-game shortened season. Is it too hot takey to ask, like, uh, or first takey, I guess, to ask? Like, is there something wrong here? I think so. I, I, I just always it always comes back to the fact that baseball is just a different and unique sport. If it was, if it was a scheme thing, I'd blame the coaches. But there's no scheme in baseball, and in in reality, lineup decisions are a day-to-day thing. There's no quarterback who can go out there and give you 60 to 70% completion percentage. There's no offensive line who can open up holes for a running back. There's no star player who can shoot 30% from behind the three or, you know, even push the 40%. There's no, you know, soccer player who can take over at any given moment and score a goal. There's no, you know, every individual part has to coexist at such a high level and such a high rate that when Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman don't show up, you could lose. They could lose to anybody. At the end of the day, the, the Washington Nationals could come in and win a series against the Dodgers. Do I envision it happening? No, but that doesn't happen in the NFL. At the, like the, the worst team in the NFL does not go into a playoff series and just absolutely slip one by. There's no miracle on ice. There's no Herb Brooks Team USA coming in, in in football and basketball and in sports like that. But baseball, it's just the condensed series. I think you lose one, the pressure mounts. And baseball is the one sport where you really do have enough time other than maybe – you know, goaltenders, kickers, everybody in baseball has enough time to sit and simmer and be like, Moogie Bat sits there and goes, I'm 0 for 4. I need to figure it out. I'm making $350 million to perform and be elite. I need to figure it out. I, I'm 0 for, And then you go into that. Like I always, the, the one thing I always used to tell every hitter I've ever talked to that's kind of struggled with the mental side of things. It's easy to be confident in the on-deck circle. It's easy. Oh, today's the day I'm going to get it. 
Today's the day I'm going to get my knocks. Today's the day I'm going to figure it out. What happens when you step in that box and you swing through one pitch or you take one good pitch or you don't execute your approach in one way? Umpire makes a bad call. What's the first thing that jumps in your head? Here we go again. I'm back. And it, it, I don't care who you are. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trevor Powers at Marywood University. Like it's going to, we're all human. We're, by nature, we're all going to have those thoughts creep in their head. So, you know, while I think it is inexcusable to have this stretch of dominance, this stretch of success, but who knows? Maybe we'll look back at it like the Braves of the, the 90s and early 2000s, where it was like, this team was great. Nobody discounts what the Braves did, right? Nobody looks back and says, maybe, oh, that rotation wasn't that good because they never won a World Series. No, it, it's just very, very hard. And I know the playoffs are different nowadays. But you could argue it's probably harder to win now. It's easier to get in, harder to win now because you have teams like the Phillies and the Padres who show up with momentum and health and and clip you in a five-game series. I would take going – like the Dodgers right now would be like, I would take an NLCS against the Braves in seven over playing the Padres with momentum. You know, like think about the playoff structure. So – you know, long long answer just to kind of say, I, I don't think so. Does that mean the popular opinion is going to be jumping on him? Dave Roberts is, you know, doesn't know how to get his guys up. I I don't know. Maybe they need to lose more in the regular season. Is that a resolution to, to a problem? I don't think that's something that Andrew Friedman and co would, would want them to do or want them to think. Yeah, I don't know if I would buy into that either. They're like, oh, they don't play enough tight games during the regular season yeah. and they're not playing for anything. I don't know if that really – I don't know if I subscribe to that idea at all. You know, like I don't I don't necessarily think that that's a part of the issue, if that makes sense. Especially when you have so many like, – every group is different, but you have so many guys on that roster who have so much playoff experience. That it's not like it's a surprise to any of them. There's not a bunch of guys making their playoff debut, debuts for them every year. You know, maybe a guy or two here and there, but it's not like this group for the most part. You know, Bellinger's been there, Justin Turner's been there, Trey Turner's been there, Freddie Freeman's been there, Mookie Betts has been there, like Will Smith has been there now. Like you Those just guys named, have spent uh, their whole careers, like Chris, every year. Chris, their right, career. Chris Taylor, ever since he's been a Dodger, has been there all the time. So it's like it's not like. Oh man, this was a, a team who burst onto the scene, and this you know they were just getting good, and they pulled off the gas too early because they had such a big lead during the regular season, and, and all these guys then got into the postseason and started gripping the bat tighter. Now that might happen. I think a more logical explanation, if you kind of want to go the voodoo thinking route of this, is like Mookie Betts is sitting there saying, "Like, oh, f- ah, I rolled over. Freddie, Freddie's got me. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Freddie didn't pick me up, and Freddie's over there like, ah, you know." Justin Turner's got me. Oh, man, Mm -hmm. he can pick me up. And then that just kind of snowballs. But even so, I think it's more of what you said of just baseball so hard, and that's what makes it so unique. And the other thing is is when you look at the regular season, throughout a 162-game season, we're not as dialed in in the spotlight as in on the individuals as much, right? You're looking at the team and what they're doing in chunks, right? And if a guy gets Mm -hmm. really hot, you say, man, he's really hot. Or if he gets really, really cold, you say he's really cold. A guys go 0 for 12 all the time, right? A guy goes 0 for 12 regularly. There's stretches of 0 for 12 or 1 for 14 all the time during the regular season. You don't think anything of it because then they'll usually break out of it. 0 for 12 in the postseason, everyone's going, what's wrong? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? He's not performing. He's not showing up. And it's like, yeah, but you forget that like six different times during the year he went 0 for 12. Or even 0 for 8, let's say, right? He went hitless in eight straight at-bats. 
And or if it's a power guy, like his power production zapped for three, four games. And you didn't think anything of it because it was three, four games. And then in game one of the next series, he went deep in this first at bat. Well, that doesn't always happen. There isn't that next series for that to happen. There isn't six months of baseball. It all gets, you know, it's a it's a mini season of, of two weeks. And now all of a sudden, the longevity, longevity of the season where things even out when you're in the course of a season, that goes away. It's over. And I think sometimes that happens too, where yeah, guys get cold. This isn't the first cold streak Freddie Freeman's had all year or Mookie Betts. Yeah. They had them. It's just you didn't notice because you didn't pay attention when between the series against uh, the Cubs and the Diamondbacks in August, those guys had scuffled a little bit. Yeah, no one paid attention. It's it's so, and I'm I'm not saying they need to play. 29 game series to figure it out. Baseball is such a sport that we have this structure of the regular season. That's a marathon, right? It's long. Who can wear it out? Even the Dodgers go 111 wins. Like at the end of April, what's wrong with the Dodgers? Like ever it's happened before and they've gone on to win plenty of games and the angels were in first place at the beginning of the year. And obviously we see what they came out to be. And, you know, it's, the the combination of a marathon and then your season's defined by a sprint, right? And it's that's where it doesn't bother me, right? That's where it's not a problem. That's where it's just stick to the process because I do think it's a crapshoot. I think playoff baseball, there's no skill. There's no, you know, way. There's no structure. There's no roster building that guarantees playoff victories, no, there's not. And so we talked about that so much on here, so much, so much, and it now you see it because on paper the Dodgers are the best team in the world, right? And people and they want lost. the answer, right? And people want mm-hmm. the answer of why, how is this possible? And they want to blame the format and stuff like this. But like you said, it's playoff baseball. So much of baseball. Look, I know again, this isn't a concrete answer, and that's why it's hard for some people to to accept it, and they want to argue with you about it. But it's like. Baseball is so contagious. Mm-hmm. Like when your offense is going, it's contagious. Guys, and it seems like four or five guys at a time get hot. Pitching, especially out of the bullpen, right? When your bullpen struggles, it feels like you can't turn to anybody to get you the big outs. When your bullpen is going good, it feels like you can turn to anybody and they're going to come through and get big outs. Um, and like I want to look swing here to look at the Padres a little bit. Like they won this series and they won the wild card series and you look at it and right now they're rolling. They're just rolling. rolling. It's contagious. Yep. They're at bats are all really good, right? <clears throat> we talked about Trent Grisham last week at the start of the series and how good he was in that wild card round. And he kept it going. Austin Nola's had a ton of clutch hits for him. Jake Cronenworth has an unbelievable DS. He kept coming up in RBI situations and came through time and time and time again, including in that game four in the seventh inning when they had when they hung the five spot. You know, he he drives in runs four and five with the single up the middle on a really well executed pitch, and that's baseball, right? Like the yep. Dodgers, all of a, the Dodgers all of a sudden couldn't get the big outs and make the big pitches, and the Padres were coming through with the key hits, and that was an example of it. He gets a, a, a slider that's well located, well executed, and he just hits it up the middle for a single. Two runs score. Soto's belly flopping across the plate, and the Dodgers' season's potentially over. Um, and they've just done a really good job of that. Like they've stuck together, and I think that's so much for me of what's going on. Especially when you look at the National League with the two wild card teams, is it's it's not format, and it's 
those two teams have really good players who are all playing really good baseball in supporting roles, right? It's not hero ball from Machado and Harper. They're playing a big role, but they don't have to play hero ball right now, which if they went the whole year and they could all play, and again, 162 is too long for them to play supportive baseball the way both teams are right now, especially in their lineups, which is why they won 89 and 87 games. But right now, again, when you look at the snapshot of the postseason, for a couple weeks in June, the Phillies did what they're doing now. Right, they played supporting mm-hmm. baseball when when Rob Thompson took over right away. They played supporting baseball. Same thing with the Padres when they got super hot in in July. And that's what's happening. Machado doesn't have to be a hero. Soto doesn't either because Trent Grisham's coming through. Guys like Brandon Marsh in Philadelphia are coming through. Bryson Stott's coming through. Nick Castellanos is coming through. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, now when Harper hits the two run home run, it makes it a six run inning, not two. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the a big difference. Yeah. And to, to kind of go back to, to your contagious point too, is that's even one that, you know, when you talk about bad, right? I, I followed the Nationals for their stretch of success. You've obviously been a Phillies fan for, for a long time now. And how many guys were pitching to a one, two at the trade deadline and get brought in to quote unquote, fix the bullpen right. and go out and sp- Pitch to a four the rest of the way. Just like everybody else. When you're able to pass the ball to the next guy, pass the ball to the next guy, pass the ball to the next guy, and each guy is only worried and focused. Nobody's coming in to be the savior of the bullpen. Nobody's coming in to to be the fixer of everything. And those guys struggle, right? It it happens every year. This guy who's been great at the beginning of the year, you bring him into a, a, a bullpen that struggled, and next thing you know, it's like, that guy stinks again. And you're like, and then the bullpen stinks down the stretch. And it's like, it's because of the fact that, like you said, it's contagious and it's contagious good. It's contagious bad. And it's, it's a snowball effect. Baseball is all about snowball. And even to mention, it's like a three and a five game series favors the Phillies and the Padres more than it favors the Dodgers and the Braves. No doubt. A seven game series favors the Dodgers and the Braves just a little bit more. I'm not saying they would have won. I'm not saying either team would have come back. 11-game series favors those teams even more. A 15 games, and we could go on all the way up right. to, guess what? 162, 162 sure. games. And that is, you know, whether you want to call it an issue or not, I, I don't think we're ever going to walk away from an MLB season maybe once every 10, once every 20 years where we go that the best team won this year. I can't, you know, looking back, I, I, I can't remember man other than really the covid year with the with the dodgers, dodgers. was the first time the cubs, i said maybe yeah and cubs in 20 2015 16. or whatever year it was 16 yeah. and yeah like that was the only time where i was like okay yeah the best team on the world series this year but very very rarely do you walk away without at least an argument i mean no matter who wins this year i mean now that the you know the braves and dodgers are out like you know, if the Astros don't win, it's well, the Astros like, like now, like it's a, kind of the same thing. It's we're gonna look back and be like, yeah, that team was great, but but what did they do so unique? They played really good complementary baseball at the the right time. Yeah, and, exactly. They played complementary baseball, and, and and that's what the Phillies and the Padres have done to 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 have the upsets go their way, right? And and I understand that. You know, if you extended those series, maybe the Dodgers and the Braves do come out on top. 
it's possible because right on paper they're the better team, and they during the course of the 162 season they were the better team. But that's what makes baseball awesome to me, and I've said it yeah. before: the regular season is unbelievable. That six month stretch, in just like college football, enjoy the regular season of college football. Everybody wants to argue over rankings and who would be in and who would be out in college football right now of the playoff. Stop it. Right, and it's just like Major League Baseball. Yes, it, when your team is winning, it's more fun. But if you look at the 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 product on the whole in Major League Baseball over those six months, that's what makes it so fun. The ups and downs. The then you get to the you know where's my team at at Memorial Day? Where are they at at the All Star break? Who's on the All Star team? You enjoy that. Then it's the push for the trade deadline to make the push for the playoffs, and then you have that sprint in August and September, and guys are breaking records. Who's gonna like all of that is awesome. But then what makes the postseason so fun is it's anybody's ball game. And Anybody. like you said, since the division era started, like you go back and it's so hard to find the chalk wins, right? People don't remember this. In 2000, the New York Yankees won 87 games and won the World Series. Oh, it was the Yankees. It was their third World Series in four years. So everyone's like, best team. No, right? They weren't. They were not the best team that year during the regular season. The Nationals were 19 and 31 in 2019. The Braves last year won 88 games. Yes, they won the division, but they won 88 games, and they they ended up winning the World Series. They were not the best team. That's what makes baseball fun because, again, when it gets to this time, who starts to believe a little bit? And and to flip it to the the Phillies-Braves real quick, it's like that the Phillies went down 6-0 in game one of that wild card series. Or sorry, 2-0 in game one of that wild card series. And and in the ninth inning, they hang the sixth spot up and go up 6-2. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of those guys looked around and went, Oh, we can do this. Yeah. And that's all it takes, right? And that's what makes it fun. It's like all it takes is that. Next night, Harper goes big fly. Nola throws a great game. Now you're going to Atlanta full of confidence, which we talked about last week. And they kept it rolling. And the Braves come out and and the Braves didn't do their job. It's that simple because that can happen. Max Freed, terrible start. You get get two plus from Spencer Strider. You get two plus from Charlie Morton. Like it's three starts right there. You got one good start, three bad ones. I don't care, like you said. I don't care who you are and who they were playing. It wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. And if you did play a seven game series and you didn't get a better start, they would have lost. You would have kept games. losing. <laughs> yeah, you would have kept losing. Uh, and and there's there's so much to unpack from what you just said. The first thing is there there's an art to winning in the regular season that is underappreciated in our society today. Right. Right. The Dodgers are still. A great baseball team, whether right. they won against the Padres or not, they're still one of the best rosters ever been compiled in Major League Baseball history, and nobody can take that away from. Them. But when you have, you jokingly said it, first takey. When you have first take Shannon and, and Skip and all these guys like that that, that live and feed off of the social media and the narrative. There's no appreciation for that because it comes down to, well, if you didn't win the big one. And yeah, I mean, I I agree with that to a certain extent in some sports, but Tennessee just had, whether they go lose the rest of the games this year, Tennessee in college football, for anybody who's not following, like that's the best season they've had since the 2000s, right? Whether they go six and six for the rest of the way and make the, the Liberty Bowl in, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, right? Like, no matter what happens, like, there is an art to winning that game and still believing that there's something special and unique about the season you've had, right? Because we're all so wrapped up 
in playoffs and winning in the playoffs and expanding the playoffs and more playoffs and playing, playing. And yes, postseason environments are great. Postseason, great. like you go to a Braves Philly series on a Saturday night in July and there's no decibel levels. Baseball's right. a country club sport. It's right. a, it's a chat and have a beer and you take your friend that you haven't seen in a while and you catch up and maybe you watch a good baseball game. And whether it's eight to one or, or two to nothing, you don't really care because you're having the same amount of fun no matter what. And in our society, and it's it, it's the sports like the NBA and the NFL where, where wins and winning in the playoffs has a lot to do with one player or schemes and, and the whole multitude of things that it could be have started to infiltrate other sports. The NHL is the hardest sport to win in the playoffs, but guys like Alex Ovechkin are defined by whether they win a Stanley Cup or not. Like there's right. superstars and Hall of Famers that have never won college football. Now they're expanding it to 12 because like there was a time and point where 10 and 2 in a in a January 1st bowl was like coaches were getting applauded for it, but now you know you're on pace, you know like Penn state, you go lose to Ohio state down the road and you go 10 and two and people want your coach fired. Cause there's that's four, the, that's this, that's this, right. the there's world four that we people, live in. Along with social media and, and, and whatever the old people call it, instant gratification era. Right. There's like four people in sports who have ruined, I think the perception of what, how we look at sport and how we enjoy sport. And it's all tied in together with social media and, those first takey type shows, right? And why those people got fa- famous, right? It's, it's Nick Saban, it's Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. it's Tom Brady, and it's LeBron James. Yep. Right. Because those guys showed up and, you know, some people would argue Jordan, but when Jordan was doing this, there was no social media and there was no, no Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. And, you know, now everyone who, in, from regional to national who Joel Klatt now who like I'm going to make my name by just spewing off takes because that's what people want they want to argue it's less about the product on the field to me sometimes and more about what you and I can argue about in our Twitter yeah. mentions and that's what we want to talk about and everyone's standards now is like if you're in the NFL if you're not the Patriots from an organization standpoint then you got to keep trying again if your quarterback isn't Tom Brady, you better get rid of him and find a new one. Yep, in college football, if you aren't Nick Saban and, and the Alabama standard of basically, I mean, it's unprecedented. So it's impossible. Seven to do. national titles. It's ridiculous. In 15 and so years. Like, but like, that's the standard, right? Kirby Smart has, went into the University of Georgia, and, and since he got there, you know, they, what's the stat? They're 7 0 for the fourth time in Coach Smart since Coach Smart's been there. This is his seventh year, right? But last year was the first year that he right. figured it out, right? Right. Is that but where you're everyone going? before last year, everyone yep. was saying, "Is Kirby Smart a good coach? Is this Kirby yeah. Sh- Smart's last, you know, last shot to really?" F- it's like, what are you talking about? He's taken the program into levels it's never seen before. Never seen. He's before. Not, he's, they finish in the top five every year. They have a top three recruiting class. They sell out every game. They're in the SEC championship and winning the SEC East virtually every single year, knocking on the door of the playoff and national title. And before last year, if he didn't win the title, he was going to be on the hot seat. Because yeah, of what Nick right. Saban has done, right? Dabo yep. Sweeney, after the year Dabo Sweeney had last year, is his message wearing off. It's like, yeah. what? They had went to six straight college football playoffs and won two national titles. Is Dabo Sweeney what? Yeah. You know, and it's the same mm-hmm. thing. And LeBron did it in, in the NBA, right? You're only measured as an NBA player on how far you can single-handedly carry your team. KD gets yep. ripped for what he's done. Not that I think KD's a good guy and I don't root for him, but he gets ripped for going to Golden State. 
right? And you look all around the league, Damian Lillard's never won a playoff series, so he's not very good. Joel Embiid can't get out of the first, like on and on and on because LeBron yeah. single-handedly, and I, I know he's played with some great players, but you look at some of those Cavs teams, he just was like, all right, let's go to the finals. Yeah. He did it alone. And those four mixed with social media, and that's what happens in baseball now too. Yeah. Which is hysterical to me because of all the sports, mm-hmm. kind of like hockey, like baseball and hockey, like you cannot measure it on it's one dog. person. No. You cannot measure it on one person. No. It's impossible. It, it is an like absolute you, dog to get to the to the finish line. And, right. You know, we're gonna get very we're gonna get we're getting a little bit more textbooky here than than we probably anticipated before. But the fact that that media markets, but we'll stick to sports markets, media markets first have figured out the psychology of human brains and me and you had this conversation over the phone the other uh, probably about a week ago and people don't understand that you are fueled by the fact that when you hear something you don't agree with or you know is absurd that increases your testosterone Right. And we are addicted to testosterone. We are right. addicted to that's your sex drive. It's triggering. I believe it's called the, gaslighting. Yeah, the debate, the nature of debate and fight and all it's those like things. Yeah, it fuels you and it gets you excited. And you get so irritated when Skip Bayless is spewing nonsense, but you don't understand that Fox is breathing on his neck. That like, keep going. There's yeah. people. They're Emmanuel watching. Well, and Fox is Fox. I don't want to get too political, right? But from their from Fox News to Skip Bayless to Emmanuel Acho yeah. to now Joel Klatt, like they are running a renaissance on everybody, right? Yeah. They are just the they are the Nick Saban of creating this culture of argument. I mean, it's hysterical because and if, and then Twitter does the same thing, right? So Twitter yeah, has Twitter the knows, algorithms. Yep. Right, there's a Twitter algorithm, so I'm obviously a Phillies fan, and I'm following that that series on social media and everything. And all of a sudden, after game one, I on my timeline, people I don't follow, I'm getting just as many tweets about the Atlanta Braves as I am about the Phillies. And I follow yep. people who cover the Phillies. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing every Braves tweet there is. Last night, I'm, I'm I, like my timeline. This morning, I wake up and there's so much Cowboys stuff on my timeline. And it's like I wonder why Twitter's putting that up there. Yeah. They want me to to get fueled up and start firing off, like right, like they want me yep, to Twitter get into that headspace of right to get into and, and buy into that right of, of of all the arguing and just the baseless arguments that goes on. And like you said, that's how it's set up. Yeah. So we don't. It's, appreciate- a, it's a game. We're all pawns. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and it and it like you were about to say, it enable it it enables us, or we are unable to appreciate. Right what is actually success. When you take a step back, you get off of Twitter, you turn off sports center, you turn off, you know, Fox sports during the day and just a pre- like have a holistic non-message board view of sports. You start to see success in a different way, right? You start to be able to detach and see the Dodgers season as a success. You start to see the fact that, you know, the Braves over the last two years, like that's amazing. If you flip flop the years and they won 88 games and lost in the second round this year and won 101 last year and won the world series, you'd be like, that's a great two years for the Braves, but because they won 101 this year and 88 last year, like but when you're able to actually see the big picture and, and get the broad view of sports in general, you can actually appreciate 
success for what it is. You can appreciate Tennessee knocking off Alabama for the first time in 15 years since Nick Saban's been the coach and appreciate how much that meant to the fan base and not worry about whether they make the college football playoff or not. Because when I was watching those videos, I wasn't worried about whether they were going to make the college football player. That was pure bliss. They carried a field goal post out of the stadium. Like talk about just pure joy and and love for their Tennessee volunteers. They literally carried a field goal post out of their stadium because they were so happy to finally experience that. And it's like, you, we just have to be able to understand success a little bit better that it's not a knock on the Braves or the Dodgers because they won. They lost in the, these series. They had very successful seasons and they've had both had very successful runs. And it's not all about the only one team gets to win at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the issue that, that we've all run into is that that's all we care about. Um, let's talk about the AL a little bit because the Astros did exactly what we expected them to do. Um, they, they swept the Mariners. And you, I mean, me and you both kind of predicted, although we predicted a lot of things and we were wrong about most of them. But um, you kind of could see how this was going to go after Jordan hits a walk-off homer in game one. Yeah. And again, to all the people who want to start blaming the format for why the Padres and the Phillies are in the CS um, and why the Yankees are in a game five right now, let's talk about the Houston Astros. Are we just going to then admit to the Astros that much better than everyone? Because why are they not affected? They handled business. They took a team that they were better than, that they played in division with, and they had played 19 times during the course of the year and gotten the better of. Um, and they handled them in three. Was it easy? No. Game three was an 18-inning, one-run affair, similar to the Guardians and uh, Rays series Rays. in the wild card round. But the Astros are just like what's crazy to me about the Astros is they won this series exactly why I think you and I both thought they was just too much, right? Because the Ray, the Mariners are throwing everything at the wall to beat them. They try and close Robbie Ray, and then in the eighteen inning marathon, they got guy after guy after guy, and the Astros are like, yeah, well, Luis Garcia can give us probably four here, and he's won thirteen games this year. And then, oh, if, if we want to play twenty seven, then we'll just let you know or Quiddy go out there and throw however many he can for as long as he can. It's just unbelievable. I mean, Astros bullpen gives up zero runs in the series, zero, and that's yeah. they're just that good, man. They're that good, and that's why I know we thought it was going to be pretty chalky here in the CS because we watched the regular season, and of course things happen, and we were wrong. That makes it fun, but the one chalk thing that I still stand by is the fact that the Astros are probably still the World Series favorites. I mean, they're just so good. I don't care how hot anyone is. Like again. It is a bear. And now from this point forward, you better beat them four times. Yeah. That's, that's going to be tough. I'm not going to say that's not happening because that's, that's very uh, hot takey, but that that's going to be tough. And, and I think the only thing you could say and is they're probably the best suited to have a layoff. Cause you tell me pitching wise, what are those guys doing those five days off? They throw well, on their routine. And it helps. They get right. on the mound. Right? Pitches. Because if you really look at it, they did start slow. And those bullpen guys it actually probably helped them to have a rest. And they had the one big hit early. And that then they were able to just suffocate the Mariners with their pitching, which is exactly what, you know, when you're going to start slow offensively, which is kind of the narrative of not playing games, you know, start slow, whatever. You need to be able to lean on 
guys, you know, arms out of the pen and Justin Verlander goes out and doesn't, you know, Max Fried goes out and doesn't give up, you know, doesn't have a good start and they turn to Jesse Chavez. And then, you know, it was too far gone by the time the Braves started to chip away there at the ninth inning. The Braves, Justin, or the Astros, Justin Verlander has a bad start and they go to whatever mutant they have in their pen and they give themselves a fighting chance down the road. Right. And that is the difference is the layoff effect might've affected Justin Verlander. It might've affected Max Fried. It might've affected their offense, but did it affect Hector Neris? Did it affect Montero? Did it affect Presley? Did it affect Stanek? Obviously when you're throwing more darts at the dartboard, you're more likely to hit a bullseye on one of them. And all those guys had to do was, like you said, go out and give up zero runs as a bullpen through the course of three games, and it's over. It's over. doesn't matter if your starter gives you a bad start. doesn't matter if your lineup doesn't show up. If you have a lead, you're winning. If you have a close game, you're giving your lineup a chance, and that's all anybody would ask for from a bullpen on any given day. Right, and, and couple that in with just like – what and who Jordan Alvarez is and what the rest of that lineup can do. Cause that lineup will just stress any staff out. Right. So yeah. no matter how good, like you look at Luis Castillo, right. And he's cruising along and Oh, Kyle Tucker stays on a changeup, gets him. Right. And then it's like, all right, he settles back in. It's a one, one game. He's cruising along. And then the mutant comes up with a runner on, you get a bloop and a blast. And it's like, how many times have we talked about in a postseason game, a two, three run Homer wins the win you games. And like, mm-hmm. there it was, that's game two. Like you just got your heart ripped out by him. And, and then here he is getting your best pitcher on a ball. That was like a ball and a half off the plate at 98 away. And he's just like flicking it into the Crawford boxes. He's just so good, and they're just so deep. And for the bullpen, when you talk about it being contagious with a lineup and with a pitching staff, like the bullpen, a bullpen like that, when you have Montero, who's like, you know, Montero runs out there and he's 98 with just devilish stuff. And then Hector Neris is looking at him like, oh, I want me some of that. And then Stanek looks at him and same thing, and Presley. And then like, now we're also going to throw Luis Garcia and Urquidy back there in the back end. And it's like, it's just too much. And it's kind of what the Guardians have going on a little bit, but just not to, I think, the degree and the, the stuff-wise of what what Houston has. It's overwhelming, and it's going to be overwhelming for any team from this point forward, too, whether it's the Guardians or the Yankees and then whoever they see in the, in the World Series. To me, it's just like I don't know how you are going to be able to stranglehold them for, for four games. And, you know, we've seen the Braves do it now, and we've seen the Nationals do it, but – it's like I think a, it's, this team it's a is brawl. I think this, this team, team is, is different too. This team is. I deeper. feel that way as well. That's the thing. They they are deeper. Like they might not have the Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander one two. I mean, you could argue they probably have just as Framber, much talent. Yeah, yeah like yeah. whatever. But in terms of the name, they don't have that. They don't have the big name in their bullpen. But they're so deep, and and it. Like you said, they with the Guardians, like they have the the Guardians have a little bit of Houston Astros in them, but the Houston Astros also have the Los Angeles Dodgers batting lineup, right? And it's like, right? Or we could say better than like you literally take like like the Yankees and the Guardians, like okay, like Yankees should score more than the Guardians. The Guardians need to pitch and beat that lineup. Blah 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 blah. Well, why don't you combine those two teams? And I guarantee that I would still take the Astros. 
on a seven game series. If I was a betting man of the, the Yankees lineup with the guardians pitching. Yeah. Because what makes Jordan Alvarez so unique and so good is, you know, I've said this before and, you know, we obviously Aaron judge deserves as much love as of anybody because of the season he's put, but he's flawed in certain ways. He's six foot seven, six foot eight, whatever the exact number is, 250 pounds, whatever, you know, physical mutant, right? It is hard to not swing and miss at that size. And I'm not saying Jordan is small, but Jordan takes the physical strength of an Aaron Judge with the bat-to-ball skills that just are unmatched, unmatched. It, it, does he put the ball in play as much as Luis Arias? No. No. No, he doesn't. But he's able to take Luis Castillo basically throwing from his hip with unbelievable invisible movement above the barrel and just be like, boop, I'm just going to stay on that, right? Like – like guys like that, guys that have really elite, elite, elite stuff tend to expose Aaron Judge more than times than not. You cannot expose Jordan Alvarez. You just flat out cannot. You can't. I haven't seen it. I don't know if you have from a pitching perspective of being like, how would I pitch this guy? I, I haven't seen him get exposed once. No, no. And I mean, he's, you know. And when we say that, obviously he's going to get gotten. He's he's punched out in these postseason, and he's going to continue yeah. to punch out. But like obviously, but it's just different than what you're seeing with Judge, who has eight strikeouts in three games, right? And it's different than what you're seeing with Kyle Schwarber, who who looks a little bit lost at the plate because he's just a little bit overmatched in his time. He's off, whatever. It's like Jordan. There's no hold. And there's really in in um, even going back to the wild card round. So far through the first two series, there's been two guys who I've watched, and it just looks different at the plate. And um. Jordan is obviously one of them because of his plate coverage. And then like Jose Ramirez for me too, because because of Jose Ramirez's build and his setup. And it's like this guy, but then you watch him, like they both get to pitches and it makes you go, how did he get to that? Like great setup, great execution, disgusting. How did you just get barrel to that? Ramirez lined out to right yesterday on, on a Garrett Cole painted a little bit of comeback, a little bit of rise, 98 up and in. And he, he just like turned and got barrel on it. And it was like, no, no one else is doing that. No one else is doing that except for Jordan Alvarez, who, like you said, it's like Luis Castillo is coming at you from a funky angle, 98, painting it off the plate, about a ball and a half, two balls off the plate away. And you're staying on it and going big fly. I mean, not just put a yeah. barrel on it. You're going big fly. Yeah. Like that's Most, what's crazy yeah. to me. Like Most guys some guys, in, will, that's a single. Yeah, not even a single. Most guys are fired up when they take that for a ball or take that for a ball, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, or foul it off, today. like good foul yeah. off, right? And this guy's just staying on it, and he's going, he's he's going big, he's jumping ship, and it's just like it's it's different with him, and that's again, that is what makes them so. I mean, because and Jeremy Pena, the coming out party, like it's just he just big hit, and just he doesn't look like a rookie, and the fact that it's like. It's almost embarrassing the fact that they're like, yeah, Correa, you've been a legend for us. You've been one of the best players in our history. You've helped us turn this thing around. You won a World Series here as a young guy. You came up through our system, and uh, you've had huge moments. You know, you're in a video game tapping your wrist because you did it last year in the playoffs, and it was super cool. Um, we don't want to pay you, though, because we got this guy who we think might be all right. And he's yeah. hitting second. Here they are on another run through the postseason, and, and the guy that's replacing Correa is hitting second. And like you know, he gets the bleeder before the Alvarez homer. He hits the he gets the single before the Jordan walk off in game one, and game two he hits the bleeder before Jordan goes two 
two-run homer off Castillo. He Then in the 18th inning, finally, who is it that finally can break through out of both these teams? It's Pena going big fly to, to left center, the hardest part to hit it out of at Safeco and, or T-Mobile Park, sorry. And he, he's... He, he does it, and it's just like this team is unbelievable. Like, oh, yeah, wait till Altuve gets hot and Bregman and, uh, I don't know, like Yuli Gurriel shows up for the first time all year, Kyle Tucker, right? Like, it's like, oh, man, they're so good. and Yeah. And, it's and fascinating. To, to build off the Jeremy Pena part, what are we over here lauding about the Astros? They're deep, right? They're deep. When you don't – and this goes back to an episode we had in the past couple weeks – when you're able to trust the fact that you can call up Jeremy Pena to not be Carlos Correa, to replace Carlos Correa. There's a difference. Not right. be Carlos Correa, replace Carlos Correa. You're allowed to allot your money to a Hector Neris, to a, you know, whatever name out there, Ryan Stanek. And I don't know which guys they went and got this offseason. But when you're able to trust your player development, you can let a Garrett Cole walk put that money, allot that money to a different piece and a different person in your organization and build just irreplaceable depth, just depth. That's it. That's all you need in these series and and to build a constant contender is just true talent and true depth. And, you know, we talk about whether it's player development, whether it's having the financial services to go get a Hector Neris and it all comes down to the fact that you as an organization, you know, the twins felt like they needed Carlos Correa and look at where the twins are at it's there's nothing different between the twins and the Astros other than the fact that they develop talent better and they allot their that allows them to allot their resources better that's it the twins have drafted at the top of the draft they've drafted decent players right they've made trades they've sold they bought they've done everything but when you feel like you have to go get a Carlos Correa, and I'm not saying that a Carlos Correa can't take a team from, you know, good to great. You know, I'm not saying that a Corey Seager to Texas can't take you from good to great. Like, I love these guys. I love these baseball players. But the true elite organizations trust their player development enough and understand when to make those big splashes. But they ultimately trust their own organization enough and know when the right time is to make that push for you know, I'm going to call up a Jeremy Pena. We're going to let Correa walk. We're going to allot that $30 million to three different guys at $10 million a pop, and we're going to build depth. Yep. I, yeah. We've said it time and time again, I feel like, and we'll continue to say it. Um, just real quick, Mariners and Mariners fans. This is you. You are the ones that we were talking to earlier when we said the regular season needs to be appreciated for what it is. What a run to finally break the streak! What a young and fun, exciting team. They win the wild card round in such exciting fashion. They got in to break the the, the drought, and that's awesome. They didn't look like a championship team. Obviously, anything can happen, but it doesn't matter that they didn't win the championship because this should be a season that Mariners fans forever remember. And um, hopefully it's not 21 more years. I would like to think they're set up for a while. Julio's locked down. Luis Castillo's locked down. I'd like to think that the core in place right now is going to get them back to the playoffs, if not next year, very soon. Um, so enjoy that. Uh, let's finish real quick. Um, the Yankees and Guardians have a game five tonight. Uh, Yankees win game one. Guardians win game two. Guardians win game three. Garrett Cole comes back. And he's won both games for the Yankees in this series. He wins game four. He's beaten um, Cal Quantrill both times. Uh, and tonight, because of some rainouts, um, because of the rainout in game two, having to play on Friday, Bieber's not available. Nestor Cortez is probably not available. I would imagine both will 
be available out of the bullpen if necessary, right? Because all hands on deck here in a game five. But it's going to be Jamison Tyon versus um, Aaron Savali. This series, like I said, I have no idea what to think about this series when we previewed it. I still have no idea what to think about this series other than I don't think the Yankees can win the World Series. I know they're a game away from being in the ALCS. I just think they're so flawed. I am so happy that I'm on record in, what was it, August, talking about how I didn't think Aaron... I think Aaron Boone is one of the managers. I know they don't play a huge role, but I think Aaron Boone is actually one of the managers who's a a detraction from their team. I'm going to stick to those guns. They should have never lost Game 3. They should have never lost Game 3. And then what he does to pull the rabbit out of his hat with the lineup changes last night by finally sitting down IKF, moving Oswaldo Cabrera into the infield, and starting Aaron Hicks, it was like this is things that like the media had been talking about for six months, which I think was probably a little too much. But like at some point, it was like IKF hasn't been a good defensive shortstop, and he's not bringing anything offensively. You wait till your season's on the brink to do it. That that aside, the Clay Holmes thing of not throwing him in Game Three and letting Wandy go out there, and then they did. I I was, don't get it. I don't. I just don't I understand read, Aaron Boone. I read that Clay Holmes wasn't available. Clay Holmes was told, Skip, I'm good to go. Skip didn't want to use him after throwing 16 pitches. Yeah. I'm, I'm going call, to call New York media on that and say that there's – No, no, no. no. I'm not, I, I do not read New York media. Did it come out of Clay New Holmes York or Aaron Boone's mouth? That's the only – It place. came out of trusted sources. I just don't understand. Like if that – who who was up in the ninth inning that inning? I don't remember who let off the inning. It was an hour and Oscar a half long Gonzalez inning. That is who let off, off right? right? He walked it off. He I walked think. it off. No, but I mean, you, you you scored three runs prior to that. All I'm saying is this: I'm telling you, there's too many signs. The fact that the Yankees, who again, I credit to Tito, credit to the guard. You're going to get so mad at me here, and I don't care because I'm not coming off of this. Switch the managers in the dugout. The series is over. I'm not debating that. That's a that's a no brainer. Tito, we've talked about it. We literally had a fluff session for Tito alone. We did. So He's the man. I'm just a- saying, like to me, I, I anyway. I still don't know what to think. I think that the Yankees are very flawed in the bullpen issues. We talked about it with all the injuries and what's going on back there. They were yeah. he was behind the eight ball a little bit. But you fact, I wouldn't have trusted him if they were at full health anyway to to figure out what to do. He just makes head scratching yeah. no, decisions. No, but that's an, that's an easy but that's that's wrong because you don't actually believe that because if Scott Efros is healthy, that's an easy decision. But I don't trust Aaron deci- Boone yes, to have made does. the easy decision. Come on. Yes, it is. That is no. At this point, I don't know. That is yes, you do. You do know the answer. Luke Maley, Luke Maley, Miles Strong, Stephen Kwan. There's your answer for who was who who was up in the night to face Wandy. What way does Luke Maley hit? Gosh darn it, Trevor! Right, I think he's right. I I believe he's right. That's Luke Maley is a righty. I mean, I get like the only only argument I can find. And then you that. go to Clark Schmidt, and I get with starting with Wandy Peralta. I have no problem with that. Wandy closed out last night after Holmes through the eighth inning, and he was nasty. He was electric. The the issue that I think a lot of people, including myself, have is Stephen Kwan singles, and you go to Clark Schmidt. That's what was bizarre. For who? Clark Schmidt comes in and gets Rosario, Ramirez, Naylor, and then Gonzalez. 
some, I mean, and again, Clay Holmes has been battling injuries. Yes, Clay Holmes threw 16 pitches, but at this point in the season, if Clay Holmes gives me 16 pitches and he looks at me and says, "Skip, I'm good to go," if that's in fact what happened, then that is ridiculous. Yeah, I and, and now your back's against the wall. Go ahead, take your two-one lead in Cleveland, and even if you, I, I don't know, Garrett Cole was fantastic last night. I don't know how much of this game you watched. He was. Awesome. He gives. He gets bit by the, the the home run. The fly ball is Aaron. A terrible job by Aaron Hicks in left field. I mean, he hasn't played in a time. I get that, but I mean, he tries to let Josh Donaldson make a, a diving over the shoulder catch on a Jose Ramirez pop up instead of just coming hard after it and making the play. They wouldn't have scored that run. Naylor takes him deep. Solo shot, no problem. I mean, he was nails. He gets into a little trouble in the seventh, which was his last inning, and he goes punchy, punchy. I think this is the Garrett Corbin waiting to see. And what I really liked about watching him last night is how well he commanded and how often he went to his spin. Because he has really, really good spin. I understand that his fastball plays great, and a lot of it plays off the fastball, and he's always going to be a fastball first guy. That's who he is. That's what he believes in, and it's a very good pitch. It's about time he starts throwing his spin as much as he did um, last night. Yeah, I mean, I think this is this series is so. I hate that. Like I said, I said that this New York team, I believe, is actually cursed because it just feels that way. Like it feels like every decision that's made is is wrong. It feels like everything that could go wrong goes wrong. It feels like the bullpen, like like Scott Efros gets. Tommy John surgery after Chapman finds out he's right. not going to be on the playoff roster and decides to not show up. And it's like, well, Chapman would have been on the playoff roster and he probably would have been trusted to get some big outs because he's been there. He's done that. The Indians are basically dinking and dunking their way into winning and ball pitching. games, like right. blooping and just, it's oh. not a sustainable process, no. but for some reason, this Yankee team is, is cursed. Um, for whatever reason, it, it feels like I'm. I'm. Convinced you are a Yankee apologist, and I don't know how I feel I am. about it. I am because I, I, I hate the narratives. I hate the narratives. Like I, I just, I, I feel. It, I don't want to say I feel bad because at know, what the point the day, aren't they narratives though? Like at some point, it's not all random. That's my only some, point. Okay, so how many how many balls hit at sixty five? I hear you. That is random, and that is tough. Like, I'm not disagreeing with that. How many My injuries issue, in the bullpen? How the many guys can you trade for at the trade deadline? That how many play years in, in a row? How many years in a row? How many years in a row can we keep seeing the same? Yankee story year in and year out. That's my only issue. How many like, years in a row can we see the same Dodgers story? Stop it because it does not end the same way. There's never what head scratching decisions has Dave Roberts made? I don't know. They play too late at night. Oh, see, now that's ridiculous. <laughs> Go Look, back and, and I like you. a lot of the Yankee players. I do. I really do. I love Aaron Judge and I love a lot of their pitching. And I, I do. I just. I, I just don't – first off, you're right. I should ease up on Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone isn't the reason they're not winning the World Series this year. I don't think they're good enough, and I said that a while ago. And I don't yeah. think that's Aaron Boone's fault. I really don't. I don't I, think that's Aaron Boone's fault. I don't like Aaron Boone Benny as a manager. If they had Benny and DJ? Sure, a, maybe. That is a, maybe, instead of Oswaldo still, Cabrera? It's, it's on the map. My issues I, are a little you, more on IKF the map. Then IKF can come off, right. and you don't even have to worry about putting right. Aaron Hicks in there. Yeah, you if put Slaver the Butcher at short. Not even that. You put Oswaldo Cabrera at short, and then you're oh, able sure. to shuffle some yeah. things around, and your you DH spot is not a field. great. 
Right. Exactly. Like some, you can do so much more, you know, rather than having to like, that, that's probably, yeah, boxed that's probably, yeah, that's probably why IKF has played so long because it's like, well, it's not like Aaron Hicks is that much better. No. You know, he well, offers and a different I just think element, there's some frustration in, in, in New York for what's coming in the next couple of yeah. years, which I don't think is wrong for them not to rush those two guys. But anyway, I, my issues with them and, and not believing in them winning the World Series more so lies within their pitching staff. And I think that's valid. I really do. Because Even outside though, of yeah. Cole, like again, yeah. Nestor and Cole are, are good, and, and I just think there's some issues. And it's the same reason why I haven't thought the Phillies could do it. They, I, I think the Phillies have a better 1-2 at this point. Yeah. Um, but after that, it's like, oh, what are we doing? And I mean, Severino now, what are you going to get out of – he kind of – it was dicey. He settled in. Was, he settled in when he, he had did to. settle in a little early bit. in that game, it did not look like he was going to. And they have to play and the Astros. him a chance to win. I don't, I don't like yeah, anyone's oh, chances it, against the Astros. I don't like anybody's <laughs> chances against the Astros either. I'm not going to sit here and, and say that. But I do think like you give – when you've traded for four guys at the trade deadline – and three of them aren't playing right now. These were supposed to be upgrades. Yeah, that's ben Intendi was supposed to be an upgrade. Montas, Montas yep. was supposed to help them out. And he obviously never healed from the shoulder injury that he had in Oakland because he struggled when he got to New York. And he wasn't the same. And then you have Scotty Efros, who was supposed to be your closer, right? He was supposed to be your ninth inning best reliever guy. All three of those guys are out. And those are supposed to, that was supposed to be your starting right fielder, left fielder, whatever it would be, your two in the rotation when healthy and your closer. And it's like most teams don't overcome that. No, most you can't survive do. that. That's true. The one thing I do not do not like is all the, the heat, again, that Aaron Judge was getting. Yeah, it's hard to hit in the That playoffs. bothered me. It's it hard, hard to hit, hit period, it, it, period. It's hard to hit, period. And but he really single-handedly carried you at times like – Okay, and he hits the big two-run homer in game three, which is awesome. He gets another knock. And it's not night. because he went into the two-hole. I'm sorry. It's not because no, he was moving the two-hole. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. And what other way? Let me ask you this because I, I, I haven't discussed this with anybody else. So you Who? don't agree with A-Rod? Oh, yeah, seriously. That's weird. Um, I, Just because I, I – yeah. I, Let him see 25, 30 pitches – before he gets up to bat, that's what I did. That's what Big Poppy did. It's like, yo, A Rod, how many pitches were the guys in front of you taking? I'm like, twenty. But the other thing pitches. is, is like, who's hitting one in that lineup? Andrew Benatendi went healthy. DJ <laughs> not healthy. That's the issue. Healthy. Went healthy. Would you put right, Oswaldo yeah. Cabrera in the one hole? No. Like who else? Well, they got Glaber's not an on base. No. Well, Glaber's not an on no. base guy. He's not. No. So he should not hit one. You don't want like. So the the thought process is get Aaron Judge as many at bats as possible. And who showed up for the Yankees? Everybody was talking. About he's hitting behind your two worst players. Who's the two guys that have showed up this? Oh year? yeah, how many? Oswaldo Cabrera and Harrison, Harrison Bader. That's your eight nine. Like seriously, how like if anything, you should Bader want him before? to hit. Yeah, he gets some credit. Like, and seriously, like that's the thing: rolled. is Harrison Bader hitting one. Like, is that what you want? No. Just to get Judge out of – no, I want Aaron Judge to get five at-bats if possible. Astros and, up to if, – if Ben Attendee and, and DJ can't go in the CS, if this is the same roster, Astros up 2 nothing in game three at New York, Harrison Bader definitely is leading off. He is? Uh, I'm just making a prediction. 
that's what's gonna happen if he keeps swinging it the way he is i i, Maybe, I guess you got yeah. but like but like that again that's what they're relying on because they're cursed they're cursed now again but, okay, i okay fair i think they could have went like i don't understand you know Go with the spark plug in Volpe or like that Peraza. Like those types of things bother me. You know, they bother me. Like there has to be better. Like you can't – you really are sheltering. Like if he ain't mentally ready to handle the big leagues, is he ever going to be ready to handle New York? You know what I'm saying? Like what – I don't know. Again, I, that I can't. That I. That's like uh, because you, we're this taking a fire on talent. So I don't even know what. Like you know what I mean. I don't know. I can't go that dig. I can't dig in that real quick. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like talent is talent, and you give talent a shot. Sure. If he came up in September, the Yankees have never over. done that though. I guess, that has and not, I, guess I, the I think that's less to do, and I, like that's my. I, I think this is this could get us down a whole nother rabbit hole. I do not want to go down right now, but like. That has less to do with the player and more to do with the organizational and how the organization's always been. Well, I guess and who's the and, last young guy that you remember like on scene? Like they, Aaron Judge had to hit like fourteen home runs and seventeen abs and seventeen to make the opening day roster. Well, and don't forget also, that. Yeah, also the fact that it like, what if you turn Volpe into the next Jared Kelenic and he's just brain fried? And can't handle. Well, and I'm just and the, the Yankees will never, ever like. I'm trying to think. Have they? Like, I'm trying to just run through my like. Think about what they even did with Andujar. Now Andujar wasn't a great player, but like there were people who were high on him. And well, Glaber too. Like, up and down, up and down. Glaber, they I guess Glaber they brought. Yeah, up they kind of moved him up. Yeah, but like before that, what Alfonso Soriano? Like they just never, never, never. How long were we going to hear about Justice again? Didn't pan out. They were right, but like. We were waiting for Justice Sheffield to show up. Well, and well, that's the we that's wait the for New York Luis Gill and 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 all these guys. There's there's prospect biases in big organizations. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The main I'm markets have so they have more contacts, and it's a lot easier to hype Correct. up Anthony Volpe than it is Bright Bayron Rocchio with the with the Guardians. Like just, and I'm not. I, that is not me saying Rocchio is a better player than Volpe. No. I'm not saying that Volpe is. But great, you're going to know a lot I more think, about Volpe think, before Rocchio when they debut. And I think there's a there's 15 dudes in the Indians organization that are just like or Guardians organization that are just like Peraza. Peraza gets a lot of New York hype. I think so. That's my opinion. He could be great. I'm with you. But there's other like and but the look at the Indian look at the Guardians. I'm sorry to get like do that. No, I'm just happy we're not still. I'm not still hearing Jake's story out of you. Yeah. Well, that team was the Columbus like whatever the Clippers last year. Winning in triple A, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like they were in. Like they have done such a good job of. But again, that that's an organizing their guys. It's an organizational philosophy. Yeah. Well, maybe that, organizational. This isn't. It has nothing to do with New York media. This has nothing to do win. with fan base biases. This is. This has everything to do with like that's Cashman and Steinbrenner. And this is how they've always done business. Even if I disagree, it don't matter because they make a lot more money than me. That's fine, but I think you would agree with some of the standpoints of that. Like they are, there is still a lot of unknown in prospects and player development, and sometimes they'd rather use those guys to go get established talent than they would bring them up. Again, let's talk about this in the offseason. Real quick, before we get out of here on another great episode of Talking Yanks, um, (laughs) 
I just didn't know you were such a big Yankee fan and apologist. This is news to me. I was, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I hate blaming managers. I hate it. it, it I know you do, me. but it, he's not a good it manager. It's not his fault they're not winning the World Series. They're not talented enough. They're not Dude, good I enough to win the World Series. I will they're die. too flawed. He's not a good manager. I would have died on the Matt Williams hill. Like that's how Matt how, Williams how much, not a good manager. Yeah, well, that's how much I I'm just like, well, let's get like do your job, like get the guys do the job. If the talent's there, the players need to perform. Is Tony LaRusso a good I, manager? He's like 90 years old. Is Tony LaRusso <laughs> a good manager? No, because I told you what my criteria was to being a good manager a couple episodes ago. Sure, but I, there are good Build and bad relationships and be a di- good – Okay, good, I don't watch the reactions of the Yankees player when, when – when like you want me to get this New York on you? I feel like I'm on the Michael K show. I'm stop. Yeah. I'm not doing this. I am not gonna do this. <laughs> you're doing, and I. It's you're gaslighting me right now, and I don't appreciate it. I, I don't appreciate being gaslit on our podcast. It's 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 perspective. No, for me. And I'm just. Gonna, this is gonna be the last thing I'm gonna say. For me, I see those reactions, and I think it's more of the outside factors that affect those guys. That's I don't fair. See it as sure. reacting. But to what I don't. Parents. All I want to say is what I don't appreciate is the fact that because I'm on the same like. I'm arguing the side I don't want to argue on right now, and it makes me sick, and it makes me even more upset because I'm not like you. You're making me argue on the same side as Michael K, and that makes me really, really mad. Okay, that's fine. Then we'll tear the page. I'm not Stephen from Long Island calling into Michael K and Don LaGreca like this. That's not who I'm. Anyway, really quick before we get out of here. Um, Padres, Phillies, who wins, how many, and give me a couple of uh, guys you're looking at in this series. Um, I'm gonna real quick caveat. Well, no, go ahead, go ahead. Can I like just go off the fact that like I really don't know, like I, between the two? Yeah, well, you're gonna I don't have a answer. good. So whatever you want. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a good read on who's better. You know what I'm saying? I. I guess I would say the Padres I like better in the situation because, but like toe to toe, it's like, you know, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Kyle Short. Like the, the, both teams have great players. Both teams has great. Both teams have great pitchers. Both teams are coming in with momentum. So like, if I had to say one Padres in seven, um, just because I trust that talent a little bit more. And I think they had a little bit of a tough, like their win against the Dodgers was a little bit more impressive because of the starting pitcher that pitching that the Braves, but who knows the Phillies might prove me wrong and and just absolutely say that like we were the reason the Braves pitching was that bad. Not because the Braves pitching wasn't good. Fair. I got Padres in seven because that's what Vegas is telling me to do. Is it? Yeah. So like I, I because of that, that's where I'm headed. Because I just don't yeah. like again. Like I think everything you just laid out there is so true. The one thing that I think that that, that Wheeler and Nola, I think it's just what what they're doing right now, and you can they're gonna th- be able to throw four of your first six games in this series. Those two guys. And that again, it's so funny because it's like in the wild card series, like that's what makes them able to win the wild card. Those two guys, but when they get to the five game series, it's not going to happen. Those two guys really help. I mean, again, they won two games, not started by either one of those in the in the DS, but still, it's like 
when they get to the seven game series, if they get there, I don't know if that's a bit, again, I'm sitting there going, they can start for the first six and that maybe that's all you need. Yeah. I, I, think I don't it's know. Lined up perfect. It, it's, I still, th- right. The layoff winning game two, the layoff yeah. to get them available in two and three, if they went three and whatever happened and one of them had to be used out of a pen last series, if it went five, you burn one of them again, whether burn both of them out of the pen and a winner take all, you might have to, but everything has stacked to perfection. They're, they are lined up for perfection to start being one and two. They have a layoff here. Go out there, do your thing, win win us, you know, a couple ball games, and then we'll take if care you, of the rest. If you put every possible outcome in a hat from Phillies sweep all the way down to Padres sweep, right? So Phillies in four, Phillies in five, Phillies in six, Phillies in seven, Padres in seven, six, five, four. I if you just picked one out of the hat, I wouldn't argue. No. I have no idea. Either. I think sweep either way, would, I would be like, that would be surprised. Yes, because both teams are way too hot. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Sweep either way would be the only outcome. But then again, like if it's like Padres won this series in five, I'd be like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Five that makes sense. Sweep makes sense. Mean, but five now. So it's crazy. I mean, and, and I'm not even going to give you any key players in this series. All of them. Watch it. Enjoy it. I think this series is going to be so entertaining, and I'm sorry that it's not the 101 win Braves or Mets or the 111 win Dodgers. I apologize, but this series is going to be great. Everyone tune in. Um, Trevor, would you have anything you'd like to say about the Yankees before we get off here? No, I can't wait to watch my Do you have have your prayer candle? Yeah, do you have your prayer candle lit? Yes. That's good. Um, Good. You know, Trevor. Trev from Staten Island calling in here, trying to trying to make my appearance. You know, just saying that Boone needs to be pushed off the Empire State Building. I never said that. I'm 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 leaving. End it. I can't find my mouse. 